0: Is morality objective or is it subjective? Is there some standard of good that is completely objective and stands alone, not dependent on your interpretation or your feelings? Or is morality simply the way we as human beings feel we should act? Welcome to Talking With Intention, a Christian podcast about self-betterment through meaningful conversation. I'm Michael Collins. My co-host is Walter Somerville. And in every episode, we sit down to talk about something that we find meaningful or something that we're still trying to figure out. We're not experts. We just believe that life is better when we're intentional about it. I hope you love the show. Well, Walter, I think this is possibly going to be the most challenging episode that we've recorded yet um i hope you're prepared bring it on yeah you ready we're (laughs) you know this isn't really a new conversation or anything this is a debate and idea that's been around for a very long time um and but it's it's not simple yeah (laughs) it's not simple to think about and maybe much less talk about but i've i've been doing some research because i I've been thinking about this a lot um, because I've come through a few different, I don't know, tiers or levels in my thinking. Like I moved from, I thought I understood it and then I realized that I didn't. And then I've been trying to grapple with it now for a while. So I've got some stuff written down and I'm going to hopefully be able to keep my thoughts in order here. Um, But you never know with a conversation um, and not reading from a script. It can go anywhere. So let's see if we can make sense of this but you know most christians i would say start off believing and would say that morality is objective um i think that's kind of the general consensus if we believe that god exists and that he is good literally is like he is the the good and satan is the embodiment of evil um then, you're, then that shows that you believe in a objective good yeah. exists. You know, if you're saying that there is a moral standard, there is a perfection apart from human beings yeah. that exists,
1: then that's basically objective morality, Yeah, right? I like that wording better. For some reason in my head, I was going to say, um, basically Christians that, you know, are starting off thinking about objective morality would say that God decides what is good and what is bad. But I like what you said a lot better. God is good, right? He is the embodiment of the good side of morality. And Satan is the embodiment of, you know, the evil side of morality. And so That's the way I see it, at least. all of our behaviors here on earth can kind of fall into, you know, one of those two categories, right? Yeah. And so... But that's what we mean by objective. It's outside of Of us. us. It's not us deciding what's good or bad, or even the majority of humanity deciding what's good or bad. It's completely objective out of It is good regardless of whether
0: or not you consider it good. Um, That's kind of the viewpoint. And, you know, this is something I've already jumped ahead. I meant to start a few steps back um, and lead up to, to talking about God being the the good, but, um, you know, I want to say my initial view of objective and subjective morality for a while was very simple and, um, you know, like elementary version, I guess, which is basically if you believe in objective morality, then you believe that if something's wrong, like if it's wrong to lie, it is always wrong to lie in every circumstance, no matter what it's always going to be the wrong thing to do to tell a lie. Whereas if you believe in subjective morality, you could say that sometimes it's good to lie, sometimes it's bad, depending on whether or not, yeah, the circumstances. Like if you're lying about cheating on your math test, that's bad. If you're lying by telling your wife that she actually does look good in that dress, it's good because you're avoiding hurting feelings, right? And I considered myself an objective... moralist um i hope that's the right way to say that on that viewpoint a believer of objective um, morality and uh but what got me thinking about it was murder (laughs) it was murder um so i have a friend who believes that um killing people is wrong as do i you know, we both agree murder is wrong. Um, and he believes that so firmly that he says all war is wrong. Every soldier who's fought in a war and killed somebody is is wrong. Right. It's has done evil. People, has done evil. And he wouldn't say that. I've talked to him about this uh, in depth. And he would avoid saying that because he, he admires soldiers and people who are in the military, which I f- felt like was kind of a contradiction. And I, I tried to talk to him about that once. Um... And I was failing, I feel like, to, to communicate that. But anyway, um, you know, but he believes it so strongly that he s- has said he if he would ever got drafted, he would desert or yeah. l- move out of the country or something because he believes so strongly that killing is wrong. Um, whereas I say, yes, murder is wrong, but I don't believe that fighting in a war is always wrong. I believe that there are some wars that it would be wrong, you know, but, and I think we don't have to talk, get into all of that, but my, the reasoning behind why I am against killing and say that killing is always wrong, but fighting in a war is okay is, uh, make is basically summed up in a quote by Lewis, which I think we're going to get to. I think it's in mere Christianity actually. So if you're listening to our mere Christianity series, you'll hear us talk about this again. Um, but he says, a soldier fights not because he hates what is in front of him, but yeah. because he loves what is behind him, mm-hmm. right? He's not fight- a soldier doesn't kill somebody because he wants that person to be dead. Yeah. He kills somebody because he wants to protect his country and his family and innocent people generally, you know? So I think a soldier fighting in a war could uh, be in the moral wrong for killing an enemy soldier, Or they could be in the moral right. I think it depends on their intent and where their heart's at. Um, But anyway, because of that, I started questioning whether I was a moral objectivist or a moral subjectivist, I guess. Because I was like, "Ah, does that count? Does that count as moral subjectivism to say that killing is wrong, but it's okay in this sense? Because it's still killing, right? Um, But to me, it felt
1: like two different things, I guess. So what do you think of that? Like, initially, it feels like we're talking about two different things because I feel like the objective-subjective thing is, is it something outside of this world determining what is good Mm -hmm. and what is evil? Or is it me deciding what's good and what is evil, right? To me, again, at a very elementary level, that's what objective versus subjective morality is. And this seems to be more like, talking about, okay, how many of the cases are evil? Or how many of them, not exactly that. I lost exactly what I was saying there. Dang it. We knew this was going to be a topic. I know,
0: I know. That's the thing. There's, it's very, it's not an easy, easy idea to wrestle with here. Yeah. Um,
1: but, yeah. So that elementary view of objective versus subjective reality not reality morality Mor- morality <laughs> oh <Uh-oh.
0: laughs> it's all right they'll know the people know what we're talking about right you know what we're talking about yeah. don't you person
1: <laughs> that seems like we're dealing with who's deciding what's right and wrong and what you're talking about with like murder for example is all more is all killing wrong mm-hmm. or is it just murder that's wrong is it the intent um I feel like that's a different discussion a little bit. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So I think you're you're getting to where I
0: came through. I'm I'm trying to like lead you along my thought process and see if you happen to down any rabbit trails <laughs> that I didn't see. Yeah. Um but let me let me put forward this thought experiment for, to you. Um this was put forward by Immanuel Kant, I believe, um who is a moral objectivist and uh basically he's it's this so let's say you know i am on the run there's a guy chasing me he wants to kill me i come into your house i say walt you gotta hide me i run in and i hide in your house somewhere oh yeah the murderer comes up knocks on your door you answer it and he asks is michael here right and you now have two options because it's a thought experiment, right? Is if it right? Yeah, I can't put him in a chokehold. You can't put him. In, yeah, <laughs> um, two options. You either have to say yes, he's here, or no, he is not here, right? And if you and so you're, if you say no, you'd be telling a lie. If you say yes, the murderer is going to come in and try to kill me, right? Um, and Kant, his viewpoint was that. If you were to say no and lie and the murderer leaves, uh, you would be in the wrong, yeah. which sounds crazy, right? Which sounds just insane. Um, and, you know, most of us are like, well, obviously, you know, we just wouldn't answer or we would fight him off or we would not open the door. Um, but that's what we do in the real world. Um, the purpose of a thought experiment is to limit yourself and to make yourself make yeah, a decision under the constrictions, and, what under would the you constrictions do? right and the constrictions are you have to either say yes or no and that's it
1: yeah i think i think i would say i would tell him uh no he's not here um and i you know i've heard that argument from kant that you you know it's always the wrong thing to lie mm-hmm. but i think from a christian perspective Lying is one of the Ten Commandments, right?
0: Uh, yeah. Don't dash on not lie. Yeah, I. Wow. <laughs> right? is that know. crazy? I can tell you that... the Ten Commandments. Wow, that's crazy that I'm unsure about that. <laughs> it, clearly, lying is is against the, what the Bible teaches by yeah.
1: any means. So, but what what it makes me think of is when we're given like the boy, my poor vocabulary and mind right now. But God tells us the main rules that he gives, right? Love the God, your Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, mm-hmm. and love your neighbor as yourself. Two most important commandments according yeah. to Jesus. And these two, I feel like, to me at least, give some insight into these issues of, okay, what about lying in the case where, you know, Mike is hiding in the back room and there's a murderer coming for him, right? Um, The core of morality, at least according to the rules that uh, the Christian God puts forth, is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. And so I feel like we can always choose the right thing based off of those cardinal rules. Right. And so that's why I think I would say, no, he's not here. Right. Cause I feel like that's loving my neighbor yeah. as myself. You know, when I heard this, I, I was so torn
0: and this is what really, maybe what really got me thinking about it. Um, but I heard it a while back and I don't know why I started thinking about it again recently. Um, anyway, cause I knew that I believed that lying was always wrong. Right. Which means that I believed according to myself that if I said no, that would be the wrong decision. Yeah. But I also knew that I would say no, right? I knew, like, it, yeah. I, there's no way I would say yes. I could just, I couldn't do it. And if I had said yes, I would feel like I had made a morally wrong decision. Yeah. Like, I just know, you, obviously, you yeah. know, that's what your, your conscience. conscience would tell you, is that that's the wrong thing to do, Um and I I love what you just said. I think that fits perfectly. And I, I found a Bible verse today that fits exactly into that. So I'm trying to fit it all together into a, and explain it in a, a good way. Um, but yeah, so Kant, I want to talk about his view first and his argument first. Um, he said that the reason, and he was talking about a more more than just like personal morality he, uh, or maybe not more but he was talking about something a little bit different this argument he used um, in the grounds of a court case if somebody was murdered um, and this is the grounds um, you know if you, the person who says yes and tells the murderer where that the, their friend is in their house could not be held responsible for that person's death in a court of law but he said, if the person said no, and the murderer left, but unknowingly, unnotes to them, uh, their friend had snuck out the back window and was walking down the street, and then the murderer saw them walking down the street, because you, you had turned them away by saying no, uh, and then the murderer killed your friend, then you would be responsible. That was Kant's argument. Um, and this isn't a just a breaking down a philosophy podcast. So we, we don't, if you're interested in that, you can read about it uh, yourself. Cause I think what you were just talking about was way more important. Um, that, yeah, it's love the Lord, your God, follow your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. Right. And man, the reason that's so good, let me pull, hold on. Give me just a second. Let me pull this up. I came across this today while I was working on pulling Bible verses for something else that I'm working on. And I, I just, I, I I don't know, it stood out to me so much that I copied and pasted it onto my computer, and now I realize that it was for this podcast, apparently. Um, so it's, uh, it's Galatians chapter 5, verses 13 through 15. It says, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. Yeah. But that line, the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself, yeah. right? That right there tells us that if we put that, you know, loving God and loving our neighbor, if those are that's our priority is love, then the we're going to be fulfilling the law. We're going to meet every requirement of the law as long as we're doing those things first, right? Um so that's what yeah, I think you're right on the money with that waltz that you know, you would not be loving your neighbor to turn them over to a murderer to avoid telling a lie. Now obviously again, in the real world, there's way more options than that. There's an infinite number of things you can do in any given situation, but yeah, I think that's exactly it, you know, and sorry, go ahead.
1: It's like these, it's like this as the guiding force by which you follow these laws, right? The Ten Commandments and the hundreds of other laws in the Old Testament as well, probably. Navigating them with this cardinal uh, law in mind, right? Of loving your neighbor as yourself, kind of allows you. I don't know. I'm coming up with a a question that I'm scared to ask because I don't want to complicate it even more. But let's hear it. We're diving in. Why in the world do we have all the other laws if the big one? And if loving your neighbor as yourself overrides sometimes thou shall not lie, hmm. why do we have thou shall not lie? Well, you're it's two different
0: you're talking about Old Testament versus New Testament yeah. here, you know. You're talking about the Ten Commandments and then Jesus who came to fulfill the law, right? Um and to me it's just it's the difference between obeying the letter of the law and obeying the spirit of the law yeah. right he, christ tells us and the bible tells us if we focus on loving e- our neighbor as ourself and loving god we will i to me what that means will fulfill the law is that we will follow naturally follow the spirit of the law You know, he also said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Again, not as a ultimatum, you better do this, but as a, just a statement of fact. If you love Jesus, if your focus is on loving him, you will naturally keep his commandments. Even ones that you don't know about, right? If you had never read a single law in the Old Testament or any part of the Bible that says you should do this, you should not do this. I believe if you focus on loving God and loving jesus and everything you know about him you're naturally going to keep his commandments now i think that there are some theologians out there who could pick that apart and make me sound like a fool for sure um so i'm not saying i'm not trying to have anybody base their entire theology around this i just i think it's a good news right it's that you don't if your focus is on god if your focus is on loving him and loving other people you know, you're... You don't you're, have to get bogged down with legalism. Down. You yes. can just... I exactly. Like I
1: like that quote. I think it's Lewis, right? That nobody's ever sinned while looking in the face of Jesus. Uh, that's not Lewis, actually. That's Ooh.
0: I think that was a Catholic priest or something. I don't know. I heard it from my dad, which you did as well. It was in one of his Bible studies. Um, but I, yeah, it wasn't Lewis. It was some... I think it was some Catholic guy that I've never
1: read any of his books or anything. But yeah. But the idea holds true, I think, that like it's so freeing to that our faith is a relational one. And that if we are truly abiding in Christ, I think is the terminology, at least in the New Testament, if we're actually abiding in Christ, right? But growing this relationship deeply, like you said, are all these laws and things that are required of us that feel like burdens suddenly just come naturally, right? He puts his desires in us, the desire to do good, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so whereas before it was the struggle to not do wrong, right? Mm -hmm. If it's on our own, when we're abiding in Christ, now we naturally do good, Mm -hmm. right? We're already following morality which is like really freeing that yeah we don't get bogged down with legalism and trying to follow all these things. Um, it's a lot more a lot more freeing than that which is I, th- I think exactly what that verse was saying um, when you were talking about um, Christ came not to abolish the law but to fulfill it right The law is good at keeping us from doing bad. But having a relationship with God is perfect at m- making us do good. Yeah.
0: So a couple things um, that I want to make sure we're clear about. You know, you cannot, I mean, you can, but it's you would be contradicting yourself. Believe You cannot believe in objective morality and not believe in God. And you maybe can believe in objective morality and not be a Christian or not believe, you know, in Jesus, but you cannot be an, believe in objective morality and not believe that there is a higher power good. Like we were talking about the beginning of the episode that God is good. God is the standard. He is perfect goodness. Right. And so that's the thing that we're trying to move toward. And, this is why, you know, we've been doing this Mere Christianity series. Um, you should check that out if you haven't listened to that yet. But Lewis starts out Mere Christianity arguing not for God, but arguing for the fact that there is an objective morality. Because if, again, because of that point, if you believe in objective morality, you have to conclude that there is a God. Yeah.
1: Um, There's a higher power. There is a
0: higher power. and Either so, for
1: good or evil, I think. Right either one would allow you to have an objective morality? Yeah, man, that's a heavy question. Um, <laughs> I, that might be a bit of a sidetrack. I'm sorry. Well, no, I mean, it's okay. I think,
0: yeah. Well, I'll say this and then maybe we this, maybe this is an episode for another time, but I don't think that you can have evil without good, yeah. but you can have good without evil. I think that evil is a, takes good and corrupts it. It's a, it's a twist it's a perversion of things that are naturally good you have to have good it's this the good is the foundation of the universe and then evil is taking that and perverting it in some way um but that's a whole nother thing um anyway lewis argues for an objective morality um and he one of the ways that he does this and points this out is talking about you know if you ever tell somebody you shouldn't do that or if you say that's not fair right you are arguing from a for an objective morality cuz if morality is subjective it's there then there nobody ought to do anything nobody should behave any certain way any way that they feel is okay for them to behave then they should behave that way, right? And so it's like the fact that people argue instead of just getting into fistfights constantly proves, I think, that there is, or at least that people believe there is an objective morality. Because if you just believe that whatever way you think the world ought to be or whatever you think is good or bad is fine, is based purely off your interpretation or your feelings, then there's no point in trying to convince somebody that they are in the wrong. Yeah.
1: And I think there's a couple different levels to the idea of subjective reality. We've been talking for a while about objective reality, specifically from a Christian worldview. But let's flip it a little bit and talk about subjective morality, right? And the first level is exactly what you're talking about, where I decide what's good and evil for me, and you decide what's good and evil for you, and then we'll behave accordingly. So I decide that for me... Good is, um, whatever I want, anything, right? Total anarchy for you. You decide good is whatever makes you, uh, experience pleasure, right? Okay. Whatever makes you carnalism. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So that's the first level of subjective morality is that everybody just, it's your opinion. Morality is really just another word for my opinion, um, what I like and dislike. It's no more than what I like and dislike. I like to, uh, let me think. I like to um, accumulate power, right? So accumulating power is good for me, mm-hmm. if that subject of morality. You like to experience pleasure, and so that's your, yeah. your morality, right? So that's one thing. The problem, with that level of subjective morality is something built inside all of us, which tells us if somebody just decides that for them it's good to go and commit genocide, right? Uh, Something in all of us screams, that's not right. Mm -hmm. You know, it should at least.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And I, I'm going to play devil's advocate here because I know I was reading on some subjective morality arguments. Um, so just because people generally agree on what is – that genocide is bad doesn't mean that it's not still based on our feelings.
1: Good. That's the subjective argument. Yeah. And that's like – to me, that's the next level of subjective subjective morality, which is that what – humanity what the majority of humanity decides is good is good and what the majority of humanity decides is evil is evil right and so it's not just individual we have to go based off of the majority of humanity right what's like doing it for the common good so instead of just everybody's individual opinion is their morality There's kind of a worldwide morality based off of the common good. What most people decide is right and most people decide is wrong. That's what everybody should do.
0: And I think one argument against this um, is that if this is what you believe, I think, well, you know, generally, if you think back to all of human history, most people would say, that over the last two thousand years humankind has become more moral we've become better we've become more good right right? which you can't believe that if you are a subjective moralist right because you if you believe that humankind has become more moral then you're saying we're getting closer to some standard of good which you can't believe in if you believe in a subjective morality Um, so you have to say that every civilization that has ever existed, including, you know, America when slavery was around and when Aztecs were sacrificing humans um, to their gods um, and all of you know, the Nazis, um, all of those were just as moral as we are as a society today. Um, you know, that's just because that's what the general population you know, population believed is they all agree. Yeah, this is generally good. And the people who were like, no, I don't think that's the case. were the outliers. Yeah. Right. Um, but that I don't believe is the case. I think we have generally gotten become more moral as human race, as a society, as a country, um, as time has gone
1: on. Um, there've been times in history where the majority vote like was horrible. A horrible thing tragedy that happened and most people at the time were saying oh yeah this is this is the right thing
0: and i think you know
1: people who claim that they believe morality is subjective
0: still don't um don't act like it is because i don't think there's a single person who when you know there, I mean, the, even the whole legal system falls apart, yes. I guess, because the whole legal system is based on there is a good, right way to behave, and there's a, and I okay, maybe that's a stretch. Um, because me, you know, if you are saying that the legal system is purely based off of society, it's created by society, so maybe it can change just depending on what society agrees, right? But still, you know, if you're ever trying to convince somebody that they're in the wrong you're arguing for an objective morality even if you know you're saying that oh well most of society says that stealing is wrong so you're in the wrong when you stole my tv you should give it back to me right if that person regardless of what the rest of society says if that person doesn't believe that stealing the tv is wrong then there's no they're they're not going to feel guilty there's argue. nothing to argue you know you're better off just trying to take it by
1: force because it's opinion over opinion it's if there's yeah any subjective that i think is true any subjective morality as your worldview any argument that comes up is just opinion versus opinion because it's all subjective right um my good is this your good is that there's no reason to argue because basically you made it up (laughs) yeah (laughs) right Why would I argue about if I'm right or wrong? I decided I'm right.
0: And if you are making up what is right and what is wrong, you know, what do you think? Do you think that's the best way to do it? I mean, that just seems like, you know, I guess I know that I have been wrong about a lot of stuff. Over my life, you know, I think back to a year ago, I think two years ago, the further back I go, the more stuff I'm like, wow, I was really off when I thought that this was the case when I thought that this was, you know, this is what I believe this is what was real, whatever else, I was off. And it's like, do you really want to base your the weight your morality? the way you decide what is good and what is not good, the way you decide what you're going to direction, you're going to move towards as a person who's growing and changing. Um, do you want to base that off of yourself, off of your own interpretation of the world? Yeah. Which Um, has
1: already proven itself to be flawed.
0: (laughs) Yeah. 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 Good point. There's a couple of things I want to touch on because I've heard arguments for subjective morality using Bible verses. Hmm. Um, I don't remember where I heard it or where I read it, but I definitely read somewhere somebody arguing that the Bible argues for subjective morality. Um, and some of the verses I think that they cited, because these are the ones that came to mind when I thought of this argument, is Romans fourteen fourteen, which says, I know and am persuaded in the Lord that nothing is unclean in itself but it is unclean for anyone who thinks it unclean for if your brother is grieved by what you eat you are no longer walking in love by what you eat do not destroy the one for whom Christ died right so that and then James 4:17 says so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it for him it is sin okay so it, the question now is do these are these verses arguing for a subjective morality because it sounds like they could be saying that something is good for one person in one scenario and wrong for another person in another scenario. And I probably should have brought this up before because we kind of hit this already on accident with the thought experiment. Um, So you probably know where we're going with this. But yeah, I think this seems like subjective morality when you have a very simple view of of morality, I guess. Because that's the thing. Morality is objective um but it's also insanely complicated still we're still living in a fallen world there are things and circumstances and distractions and temptations all around us all the time and our you know we are not um om- uh not omnivorous <laughs> <laughs>
1: we are omnivorous actually uh,
0: omniscient We are omnivorous. We are not omniscient, right? We don't have perfect We don't understand everything. We don't have perfect understanding and perfect logic and perfect reasoning. We're swayed by our emotions, and we don't make the right decisions sometimes, right? It's not always
1: black and white for us. It's not
0: always black and white. Um, It's hard for us to tell. Yeah, and so I think that you know this. We already talked about following the spirit of the law and not the letter of the law and focusing on loving Christ. Right, which you know?
1: comes up right in that yeah, very same verse that you're exactly. using, right? Um, Will you read the the at least the tail end of that verse one more time? Which one? The Romans? first one. Romans. Yeah. Um, if, if your brother is grieved by what you eat, you are no longer walking in love. Yeah. So I don't think it's as much talking about, you know, eating this for one person is a sin and for another is not it's just talking about if you're not, you know, if you're eating something and causing others to stumble because of, you know, they might see that as sin or not, you know, we're unsure about it. Like we just said, but if we're, if we're messing other people up by what we do, we're not loving them. And so that's immoral. The
0: focus is, yeah. Loving your neighbor absolutely is most important. Um, And, you know, I was just talking about how our minds, you know, we're imperfect, we make the wrong decisions, we get clouded. And this helps so much with that, just to know that if we focus on loving God and loving our neighbor, then everything else will fall into place, right? So that that's how we deal with all these temptations, all these these clouded thoughts um, and emotions based on the decisions and things, trying to decide what's moral, what's good and what's not
1: good, is just ask yourself if you're loving God first and if you're loving your neighbor. Yeah, and I think it reminds me of a really good illustration that C.S. Lewis gives in Mere Christianity, one of the chapters we've already covered early on because somebody might say to that if it's all about loving God and loving my neighbor there's some things that christianity believes are immoral that seem to only affect me right um and usually we're wrong (laughs) usually the things that only affect you end up affecting other people and so what c.s lewis says he's like it's like a fleet of ships um morality does a couple things we've got to keep the individual ships working right and so that's talking about like our individual us individually um, the ship's not going to stay on course um, if it's breaking down on the inside. And so that's where morality applies to even things just internally, right? Things that you wouldn't think. Give me an example. Um, it's maybe not a very good one, but like pornography maybe. Okay, People yeah. could say, who's, who's getting, getting hurt, hurt no, by nobody's this? Nobody's
0: hurting. Yeah, it's not hurting anybody, you know, and you can, uh, Yeah. And there's an argument against that view as well. But, um, yeah, I get what you're saying.
1: But if an individual ship is breaking down, right, it's going to affect the ones around it, the community. Um, And it also helps the community as a a whole. The whole fleet has to know where to steer towards. And so he kind of argues for, you know, loving others and also maintaining yourself as part of that. It's going to affect others if you're breaking down. Also,
0: you know, it's loving others and it's also loving God. And every time we sin, sin is is offensive to God, right? Like if I were to go and steal something from Walter or lie to him or assault him, that would be offensive yeah. to you and maybe dangerous and hurtful, right? Yeah. Sin in all, any form is offensive and hurtful to God. Yeah. It's it's insulting him, right? Um so you think it's it's not hurting anybody. It it well, it's hurting God. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's hurting him like you've wounded him, like he's mortal or yeah. or weakened. weakened in any way. He's not weakened, but it's offensive, right? Um so I think there's that to consider as well. But yeah, I definitely After all of the thought and going back and forth on objective and subjective morality, I think that my conclusion, I guess, is that morality is definitely objective, but, and I already said this, it's a lot more complicated than I think people make it out to be, for sure. It's more complicated than I can really understand, which is why I have to just focus on loving God and loving others. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that makes sense um and it explains like that thought experiment that started us all off right it's unfortunately not quite so simple as just you know lying 100% of the time is wrong anytime you're lying yeah you're doing evil which is right? like is that what you're saying uh, yeah
0: i think you know i w- y- i still would say you should never lie um just because in real world and not the thought experiments that thought philosophers come up with, I think it's generally, yeah. you know, always a bad idea to tell a lie. Um, it doesn't mean always you should always tell the truth to everybody all the time. Yeah. Um, but there's a difference between, you know, telling not telling the truth and not lying. You can refuse to answer a question. You can, you know, just, yeah. Like if Walt asks me something that I don't want to answer, I can just tell him i'm not going to say that you know anyway we're not we don't to get into all of that um but yeah i think it's not just it there's a comfort in thinking okay don't ever lie no matter what right or don't ever steal no matter what don't ever kill anybody no matter what which i'm <laughs> I don't want people to think that I'm arguing that you should steal, lie, and kill people. Um, but I think there's a comfort in that because it feels like, okay, these are concrete rules that I can follow and be sure that I'm doing the right thing, right? But I think it's, real life is more complicated than yeah. that. And the only that's why the, the concrete rule to follow is to love the Lord your God with all your heart and to love your neighbor as yourself. Right, That's the thing to follow above all the other rules. You should try to follow every rule. You try not to kill people. Don't steal. Don't lie. Don't cheat. But in some imaginary situation, you know, where you can only say yes and no and there's a murderer chasing your friend who's hiding in your house, the
1: priority is to love your friend over not avoiding telling a lie. Yeah, it's like there's a level of nuance to the commandments and we see it all in the Old Testament too because we get the commandment thou shalt not murder right and then we get commands from God to the Israelites to wipe out other nations around them yeah. and so clearly there's there's a little bit of nuance going on right and part of that is semantics the difference between murder and killing. Right, which I I think goes all the way back to what you started. Yeah, on, Yeah, and is your friend. I almost mentioned that because that's kind of something I was thinking about at the same time. But uh,
0: but yeah, I just skipped it. Um, yeah, and you know, and this is maybe a future episode too. I don't know, but I think Old Testament law people seem to think that if God made a law for a certain situation in the Old Testament, um, or you know, whatever he, it, like God made laws about slavery about how slaves are supposed to be treated um and i think people take this and run with it and say that this is god saying that slavery is a good thing yeah. and i don't think that's the case i think this is god saying okay you guys are so messed up you're going to do so many awful things that here's a list of rules try your best to follow these so that you don't all end up dead in a hundred years yeah. and i've got something better on the way right? I've got Christ. He's coming. He's going to shake everything up, you know? And because Christ said he came to fulfill the law, but he also didn't, you know, he, th- there were some laws that it seemed that weren't as intense. Like, you know, you can, you can eat pork now. You're, it's everything that verse that we were just reading, you know, um, says that, uh, where's it at? I know that, and I'm persuaded by the in the Lord that nothing is unclean in itself. Right? Um, You know, it's not unclean to eat pigs anymore. But Jesus Christ also said that. um, I need to be careful because that was that's Romans. That was Paul writing. That wasn't a quote from Jesus Christ that I read. But um, Jesus did say, you know, you've heard it said that to sleep with another woman when you're married is is an abomination or is uh, uh, what's the, adultery. But I'm telling you that anyone who looks on a woman with lustful intent has already committed adultery. Right? So he's, it's not like he's making every law like, ah, you can relax on all these. Some of them he got a lot stricter on. And he even said, if you, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out, you know? And so you're saying there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot of
1: understanding that the main thing, yeah, is, is love. It's like the law was, good it was really good at keeping us from doing evil right but it was not nearly enough it fell yeah. drastically short it did not get us where we needed to be and we couldn't even follow it right Yeah.
0: you're <laughs> really like we're constantly making false idols making mistakes yeah doing all
1: sorts of horrible things exactly so the only thing that c- could make us moral is what happened in the new testament right we had to have something better than the law we had to get we had to uh, get somebody to come fulfill the law for us because we definitely weren't fulfilling it and so i think that's kind of what we're getting at is the law was great but just taking the law at least the old testament law doesn't get us where we need to be it doesn't it doesn't make us moral people and I think that's what we see at the Pharisees, right? They were following to the best of their abilities every single letter of the law, mm-hmm. and they were some t- terrible people, right? Oh, yeah. And I think that just shows the, how short the law falls, and why we needed uh, why we needed somebody to fulfill it. Jesus came, and now instead of our morality that we have we kind of have his right Mm -hmm. that's why we say we have his righteousness on us now it's not really the tally of our rights and wrongs we have God himself right living inside of us we just said he is the embodiment of good he is the definition of good God is good Mm -hmm. and that's what we have on the inside there's no tally anymore it's just good right And so that's why we get to go to heaven, right? It's not because we got our tally marks, you know, our good and bad meter up high enough. Because um, if there's any bad, you can't be in heaven.
0: Hey, guys, I'm interrupting this episode um, because there's something that I want to make sure we're clear on. I Earlier in the episode, Walter asked me um, if all the law is fulfilled in simply loving one another why do we even have all the the old laws all of the other laws all the instructions from jesus to not lie to not commit adultery and everything else and i i failed to answer that question i realized as i was editing um and i want to go back and end touch on that just to make sure we're clear on something um you know i think If we didn't have all the other instructions from Jesus, if literally the only thing that we had was him saying love each other and love God, people would take that and interpret it in so many different ways and twist it into anything that they wanted it to be. Um, And I mean, people already take the Bible and twist it and interpret it to fit the way they want to live their life um so just imagine you know if that was all that we had how how much worse the twisting and misinterpreting of the bible would be so yeah the other instructions are good we should and i did say this at some point but we should try not to lie not to steal not to kill each other obviously um not saying that we can throw all of that out the window and just focus on on loving each other and loving God um just trying to say and make it clear that the love is the most important part um you know if you are not lying and not stealing but you're not loving each other then it's no good right and any good that you do is irrelevant and yeah it's your good works are worthless uh without love love's the most important thing but not trying to say that the other stuff has no value whatsoever so anyway there's a little bit more of this episode thank you guys so much for listening i'll go back to that now one other thing that i want to get your thoughts on um that was would have been a great place to end but there's one thing that i thought of that i want to mention um In all of this, thinking about what is good, what's wrong, what's bad, about morality, I think, I don't know if I'm 100% convinced of this, but I think I've come to the opinion that there is no such thing as a gray moral area. That everything, every decision that every person has ever made is either good or bad. And I don't think it's necessarily clear in the fact that, like, I could tell you whether the decisions that you're making are good or bad. Um, or I may, might not even know myself. Yeah. But I I think that every decision that somebody makes is either good or bad. And this might sound ridiculous because we think of good and bad being such, you know, heavy, like, moral decisions. But, like, and you think, okay, well, I decided to brush my teeth this morning. Is that a moral decision? And I would, I, I think it is. I think brushing your teeth is a good thing because you're, you're taking care of your body, taking care of yourself is good. Therefore, brushing your teeth, choosing to brush your teeth is a good thing, right? And again, that doesn't mean that it's evil to choose not to brush your teeth, <laughs> which is going back to you know what we were talking about in that you,
1: you can't always rely on just following the letter of the law. Yeah, I think... I think you're absolutely right. I think it's pretty simple, really. There's no half sin, right? Yeah. All sin is equal to God, and you either hit the mark or you missed it. You can't really go in between. Um, yeah. I think why we call it a gray area, because I say there are gray areas from our perspective, because like we said, mm-hmm. we're not very good at telling what's right and wrong. wrong. Mm-hmm. We really don't know. But From the objective perspective, right, which is in our Christian worldview, God, he's the one that has the ultimate view of what's good and bad, what's right and what's evil. There's absolutely no gray area, I think. Yeah, every single thing is either
0: right or wrong. And, you know, that, I think, just reiterates the importance of living with intention and putting thought behind your actions and not letting your decisions be made unconsciously, like yeah. you've said, Walter, I think that's great.
1: Um, but also, and I know we're trying to wrap it we're up. We're trying here. L- little line, we keep coming back. But living with intention can get us in that bogged down legalistic path that the Pharisees kind of fell into. Yeah. And so we, I think we need to be... Intentional with sticking with the core of it, which is to know Christ, right? And to have his righteousness (laughs) cover where we fell short, right? Just go ahead and realize that no amount of intentional living um, can make me righteous enough to be with the embodiment of good himself. Yeah. Right? Exactly. You're always going to fall short.
0: So, yeah, we have to love God put our trust in him and try our best to love each other. Yeah. Love your enemies. That's difficult. Right? That'd be a good episode. Yeah. Anyway, let's wrap it up. Thank you guys for listening. Walter, I already texted this to you but I'm going to tell you about it now so that it can be recorded on the podcast. We got two new reviews. Actually, I only told you about one of them on Apple Podcasts. Yes, I read um, it and loved it. I, I when I, I, haven't che- I hadn't checked Apple Podcasts in so long and I checked and there were two of them and I, I was in the middle of my workout and was like an adrenaline rush. <laughs> I couldn't believe how ecstatic I was to see yes. that some random people had reviewed our podcast. It, oh, my gosh. So I'm going to read them out. Charles Pettis, Pettis. I hope I'm saying that right. I'm sorry if I'm wrong. Charles uh, says, Fantastic Christian Podcasts. New listener, already a fan. Great conversation between the two Christian hosts. Great listen. Highly recommend. Thank you so much, Charles. And bmx for (laughs) christ number four, Christ, says, Very encouraging. These two guys are down to earth and thoughtful in their conversation it's great to hear young men discussing what it means to live a christian life oh his name is at the end rodney boos i hope i'm saying these guys names right thank you guys so much that literally was like a a shot
1: of electricity when i saw that i got so excited i texted walter immediately (laughs) Um, yeah it's real exciting because we enjoy doing the podcast and we get a lot out of it but the whole idea of recording it is that maybe somebody will get something out of it so it's that's the reason amazing we bought the microphones. Hear. So yeah, amazing to hear. Thank you guys it. for listening. Thank you for
0: reviewing, um, and I hope you're enjoying the show. If you've got any critiques, any questions, any suggestions, please let us know. I mean, it's like the most exciting thing in the world when some one of you guys reaches out to us. So thank you.
1: Stay intentional. <laughs> Stay
0: intentional. <laughs>